This is the Stay Healthy Experience. I'm your host, Robert Ferguson, joined by Barbara Chris and Mr. Daniel Baldwin, who's not here today. I know, I thought it was going to be. But you know what? Hey, you know, he's going to be very upset about this show because there's hey. some things he could actually learn. He's missing out. Well, well he you know. wanted to talk to a gynecologist when yeah. we got him on the well, line. We're, we're going to do, do a part two. Mm-hmm. Sweet. <laughs> yes. You hear that, Daniel, wherever you are? Yeah. <laughs> now, you are the real Dr. Laura. I am the real Dr. Laura. That's yeah. my last name. Yeah, so my first name's Adrian, but I am Dr. Laura. Well, well, give us some background because <laughs> I know where this conversation is going to go. Maybe um. you do and maybe you yeah. don't. What's Keep us what, guessing. What, okay, what's really funny is that I'm back in Ventura County. I think that's very funny because I was born and reared in Ventura County. I was a nurse at the county hospital for 10 years before. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to get into med school. And in high school, my counselor said, you probably want to get married and have kids. Why don't you try nursing? And it was, oh my mm-mm. goodness, what? It was happening then too, and it still happens now. Now, were you born here? I was born in Oxnard, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I'm very local. I grew up here. I'm a Latina, the oldest of nine kids in a big Mexican family, and so we're very tight knit. And we were always told you can do anything you want to do. So Aww. in our family, we have three doctors out of the nine kids, and everyone else has a good college education. Mm-hmm. The point is that I went to—I was a nurse first, but I always and never let go of my dream of being a doctor from the age of eight. So I went, got into medical school at thirty. Wow. And I got into, I remember going to Meditation Mountain and making the decision between the final schools. I got into 11 schools, and Uh it was between UCLA and Boston University. And when you're 30, I think you make your decision more on how do I want to change my life versus which ranking school is the best? So I went off to Boston thinking I was going to be there for four years because who likes snow? Not a girl from the beach in California, but I wound up living there for 20 years. And so I went to Boston University School of Medicine. I trained at Harvard at Beth Israel in OBGYN, and then I stayed there for 10 years teaching. I got back here. I was just estimating. You're kind of smart. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I like what I do, and I have always been, no matter what people think, I've always been a real nerd. I'm really, really get excited about science. I like the science behind things. I like reading. Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. It's so, evident. It's evident you're passionate about it. I do. Yes. So you're telling me, just for clarity, that you were born and raised in Oxnard, California. Check. You go to nursing school. Check. And at the age of 30, were you a practicing nurse at that time? Yes, I'd been practicing for 10 years. I'd lived in Hawaii and other places as a nurse, hmm. wow. but most recently here at County as a nurse. So. so at 30, you're a nurse and you decide, you know what? I'm going to take it to the next Step level. Step it up. I decided, this is what I did. I always wanted to be a doctor, Robert. And what I said is, if I don't try it now, and this is how I tell people to hmm. make decisions. At the age of 30 is when you <laughs> made this decision. Yeah. Okay. No, I knew I wanted to be a doctor when I was eight. But nursing was good. I mean, I traveled. I, ha- yeah. I drove a sports car, lived on the beach. I mean, it hmm. was great. Even one of my pre-med counselors said, why would you want to tunnel down your vision? And I said, to tell you the truth, I look at it as opening up. Right. A whole horizon. And so they were still discouraging at that time. So I you said, maybe back up just a little bit. You said at the age of eight, you knew. Was there something in particular that? There was a vocation. It was funny. My dad, my, we, my dad and my parents grew up really poor. They were together when they were 19 and 16. My mom uh, started the family with my dad. And, mm-hmm. and, um, <clears throat> and they didn't have a lot of money. And my dad was a construction worker and he did menial task field worker at one time. And then he didn't have money to fix his crossed eye, which is a very simple surgery. You have muscles that move your eye up, down, left, right. Mm-hmm. And the muscle was loose that moved his, um, 
eye in, inwards, so he had a crossed eye, and he never had it fixed. Oh. He went in when I was eight years old to have it fixed. It was at the hospital. Those were the days they left kids alone in the lobby, and I was left alone, and some nun, Sister Mary Elizabeth, as I recall, came at St. John's Hospital and walked me around mm-hmm. the hospital. Now, here's this little Mexican eight-year-old girl who's never been in a hospital, but she's there, and she showed me the lab, the emergency room, oh. the uh, x-ray. She introduced me to everybody, hmm. and wow. when she said Sat me back down. She said to me, Adrian, you can be a doctor someday. Wow. In my head, she was an angel from God. And from that day forward, I told everybody I was going to be a pediatrician. Even my dad, when I was 24, being Latina, I was a nurse. Mm -hmm. And he said, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? Right. You can marry a doctor. You can marry a doctor. I said, Daddy, you have eight other kids. I'm not going to get married. I'm going to try to be a doctor someday. Right. And so this was a dream come true to go back at 30 and say, oh, the, the way I made the decision, and I teach people to do this, is advance yourself 10 years. If I work at, woke up at 40 and I hadn't even tried to be a doctor, would I regret it? Oh, my God, you yes. bet I would. And the other thing I did, and I do this with when I counsel, is tell people every step along the way, give yourself permission to quit. Mm-hmm. You get into med school, you can still not go. If you don't want to, you got into med school, you can always say that. Give Mm -hmm. yourself permission. It makes the pressure of the whole achievement a lot less. And so every step along the way, there were times I'd say, you can leave now. This is way too hard. You you know, your life was so good. Yeah. But it was great. It was a great experience. So uh, I lived 20 years in Boston. And um, now, were you did you practice in Boston? Yeah, I had a great like a family practice. practice. No, it was obstetrics and gynecology. Okay. So I delivered. Okay. I've delivered thousands of babies, and uh, we worked at. I worked at a teaching hospital doing deliveries. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this wow. morning I was looking at some stats on <clears throat> obesity for adults as well as for kids, mm-hmm. um, and it's all over the world getting well, worse and worse. Sixty-seven percent right? of adults now, and thirty-five percent of kids. But it's I, I swear it's more. It's, like, yeah. it's higher. Yeah. It's higher yeah, than yeah. that. I agree. Mm-hmm. And the predictions are are staggering. And why I bring that up is because I'm thinking you've you've uh, you know helped women mm-hmm. give birth to these babies. Have you noticed over the years? You know when you were doing that part. I don't know if you still deliver babies. I stopped when I. I had a cancer diagnosis. I stopped okay. delivering. Well, did you mm-hmm. did you notice over the years that the babies were getting bigger and bigger? Yeah, they right. are. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I, mean, I know. Like, what, where, so where's this going? I, I don't mean to insult <laughs> you, but you're thinking it sounds kind of simple, but it isn't. If obesity <clears throat> has risen, has has the size of the babies, and that's yeah. just what I was going to say, Barbara. The risk being obese in pregnancy is a very high risk, yeah. a high risk pregnancy. If mm-hmm. you're obese, number one, and the number one risk. Big women deliver big babies. Big babies run a risk of C-section, shoulder dystocia. Big women have a higher risk of diabetes. Big women have a higher risk of hypertension in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So obesity, which we've seen increase, not has just increased, as you said, the size of the babies. It's increased the risk of the pregnancy. Yeah. And when we That's say so big, true. we're talking excess body fat. Right. You know, I kind of well, I, I kind of lobbed it up there and said big, but large framed or I heavier. Well, I want <laughs> right. to be politically correct because yeah. it, you know the F word. You do not use the F word in my office, right. and we don't use the word right. obese. Okay. Yeah. We okay. say excess, excess body fat. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like which that. Which puts the person at health risk. Well, right. Because it's it's calling it what it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a health risk factor. It's like our our founder and CEO John Collins. Mm. He'll say that. I want that, to meet him. Some, he sounds bad. Oh, you're going to meet him. He is. It's one of those Drum things roll. where he would Drum be real roll. quick to say, look, you're not fat. 
Fat would be like a, a stack of lard over in the corner. Thank you. You have fat. Define it, yeah. Right. You have fat and you You're have right. an excess of it yeah. that has you at health risk. So if you have excess, you can always right. get rid of excess. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's interesting. You like if that, you huh? have excess. Yeah. Look at that. We wouldn't want to get Watch rid out. of excess money, but you could never have excess <laughs> money because no money would be yeah. excess. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, no, that's so, a great point. And in working with these parents, because mm-hmm. you do have an increased risk of many challenges in your life when you're um, pregnant and you have excess mm-hmm. body fat. Right. And then I've seen studies where if one parent is overweight or obese, the kid is 40% likely mm-hmm. as an adult to be overweight or obese. And if both parents are overweight, or obese, the kid is 80% likely to be overweight That's or obese crazy. as an adult. Seems sort of unfair, don't you think? Because the child didn't have a choice and the right. parents did. Although I would tell you that it, I, I find... Healthy lifestyle is defined, and that's different from losing weight. I would want to make that distinct mm-hmm. distinction, mm-hmm. you know, and although they are interrelated. But I think that a lot of what I saw, too, in Boston was more of the inner city population, too. And we know mm-hmm. if you take and, and you take those demographics down to that, it's more difficult there because of... Uh, because of availability and costs, I think, to lose weight. And it's just so surrounding them. Yeah, so. But wouldn't you also agree that there's just an abundance of information that makes it confusing right. for people to know what, you know, it's like one day coffee's okay. Then five years later, the U.S. Dietary Guidelines come out and they say coffee's not. And then eight years goes by and they come back and go, coffee's great. Mm-hmm. It, it just keeps or changing. Or how about fat? Right. You know, the fat was really bad and cholesterol was so horrible. And yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. Then why don't we simplify it? What, because people like simple. They like quick, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure is healthy. True. But they like simple. If you can simplify things for people and you honor them by respecting that they can understand it, you know, then they just, they'll buy into it for themselves. If they say, oh, oh, I get it. That's why I need to take the birth control. Because it's important that I have a period. When I don't have them, I can get, you know, I can get abnormal growth. Yeah, things like that. If you explain things to people, I think for a long time as doctors, we insulted people. And Mm -hmm. I'm not insulting doctors when I say that. But we had doctors that were pedestaled. And when they were pedestaled, they held themselves above. Mm -hmm. And they would hold the information above the patient, too. I remember uh, going through med school and asking my mom, so you went to the doctor? What was your blood pressure? She goes, I don't know. And I go, Mom, it's your blood pressure. Well, the doctor knows. And I was going, oh, "Oh, Mom, you have to own it. You have to own it. But I think a lot of people feel that way still. It's still that way. Yeah. They do. Yes. I mean, you tell someone what their blood pressure is, they don't know what those numbers mean. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of our conversation Mm -hmm. to stay healthy all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, we explain all the time. That's your little, that's the pressure. Think of your vessels as pipes. And now they're pushing back. You don't want them to push back at 90 or 100. You want them to chill Mm -hmm. out to 70. Do you give them solutions at that time? Do you say, hey. Oh, yeah. So what do you do? You send them the Weight Watchers? Uh, You send them over here to die for your life? Like, well, what's the plan? That's interesting. Okay. The plan is this. The plan is I do have weight loss program in my practice. And it's something that I incepted myself based on my research and I really think that there's certain things when you do weight loss especially with women because 90% of women their weight their weight gain is emotional the studies have all shown that it's emotional whether mm-hmm. it be you look at the number of women that have been abused sexually physically or mentally abused there is a higher percentage of obesity in those women and they call it protective fat mm-hmm. if I'm fat and heavy I won't get raped again well you know before oh, wow. I got into the exactly. weight loss world my first book was Rape Awareness and Prevention. Yeah. So oftentimes people, when they learn that about mm-hmm. me, because I did it for a long time, 
And I was one of the leading, I guess, experts or authorities in the space of prevention. Mm -hmm. But my education and training took me to becoming very knowledgeable at domestic violence, stalking, sexual harassment, like before there was really policies in place. Yeah. And as a result of becoming more knowledgeable of that to include, you know, child molestation, et cetera. Yeah. A lot of those scenarios would lead to someone being uh, violated, raped. Mm -hmm. And so that compassion that I developed for women during that time in my career, bring that over to weight loss. Oftentimes women pick up that he has something, like there's something about him that I'm relating to. Right, you have empathy there. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. That's exactly the So point. without yeah. saying it, they just can feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so I hear what you're women saying. Women are very intuitive. We're For all intuitive, sure. but I think women because- we Pick it up. Yeah, we, we have that intuitive gene that because we become mothers, a lot of us Exactly, do, yeah. like people so just- yeah. So they they were feeling you. I mean, for lack of a better right. word, they could feel- well, I like how that A sound. good vibe. <laughs> yeah, right, then vibe. I was going to say, no wonder you're surrounded by all these women all the time, okay? <laughs> right. I was not going to go there. I was going to stay very professional, which yeah. I intend to do. But yeah, you're right. So weight loss with women is emotional. And I, I said I do my own, but you asked me a question. So I, I did <clears> research. <throat> I got a meta-analysis, there's a meta-analysis, which is, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to insult, but you know that no, it takes know. all the studies. Right. Okay. So there was a meta-analysis done on ex, on weight loss programs. Mm-hmm. Lindora, Medifast, Optifast, Jenny Craig, you name it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you weren't included, so I just want to say that it wasn't you. But out of all of these, the government said after they evaluated the uh, meta-analysis, mm-hmm. none of these programs worked. None of these programs worked except Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers did ha- have some success because two things, and I love this. One, they allow you to eat what you're accustomed to eating. So if I mm-hmm. put someone on Jenny Craig and say you're going to eat plastic food for the rest of your life, they're just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. The same with these other diet programs like an Endor that puts you on 500 calories a day. It's just not, not doable realistic. or feasible. And it's not, yeah, sustainable is the word I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so they found that out with Jenny Craig. They said that, first of all, you can eat what you want. But the other thing that well, I weight love. Watchers. Weight Watchers said I'm sorry, Weight Watchers. Yeah. Thanks for correcting. The other thing is that if you've ever gone to a meeting and I've gone with my sisters, I just love it. They take you to the back of the room and they weigh you and they go, Barbara, oh, you lost three pounds. Right. And then they get back in the room and they go, and now we're going to have Barbara Chris up. Come on up, Barbara. You lost three pounds. Let's give her a drum roll. And everyone goes, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. there's, you get this feedback that's really positive. So that works, you know, but well, I've or also, scary. I've <laughs> also seen people go in, they take them in the back. They get on the scale uh-huh. and the numbers don't go in the right direction. <laughs> and then it's like a funeral. Yeah. Yes. It goes from uh, watching weight to, are we in a funeral? <laughs> right? I've heard that. Because too. everybody kind of comes together and it's like, hey, you know, stay focused. It's going to work out. It's gonna work well, what out. do you think yeah. about that? To me, there's enough emotion. There's two things in life that really carry a lot of emotion with them. Mm-hmm. One is money. And the other one, I think, is your weight or your body, uh, your body image. Yes. A lot of emotion. I mean, drop the physical if you want. The emotional, uh, the emotional investment that people have in the way that they look is really, really right. de- defining. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Defining of responses in public, defining of where they go, what they do with their life, right. you know, how they get there. I mean, it's really defining. So For sure, especially you know. if it's on the negative side. So I have a client. A That's client. what I mean. Yeah. Well, how can mm-hmm. they start a funeral? You should always, when you're losing well, weight, you should always be positive, Exactly, right? but I had a client who actually is a client of mine who went through that process but her experience was absolutely on the opposite like you said she had the funeral and it just mortified her she's like never again as far as that kind of like negative feedback with respect to that so i mean you know what you don't forget that she did she know 
And you that know, was years you know ago. That, think of kids that have had negative feedback. I had right. two patients this, today in my office that yeah. are really current who had had negative feedback as kids growing up. And they're not 26. Mm-hmm. And the other little girl, little girl, the other patient was 23. And right. they just said, well, my mom, I was always told. And you go, oh, my God. You like remember. labeled. And it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter if you're a child or not. I, I mean, when we think back, we think back more on negative thoughts. That's a retraining mm-hmm. to not think of negative For things. For sure. Yeah. And mm-hmm. not to go back. Yeah, going back, it wouldn't be good. We're getting all spiritual yeah. here. Well, well, one of the things that you would, <laughs> you would totally appreciate what we do is that we do focus primarily on body composition, mm-hmm. right? Uh, number one, and you've heard me share this with you, is that we believe that we need to eradicate the BMI, the body mass index. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I was just reading something about that yesterday. Yeah. That. Yeah. And the saddest part that, is that everyone the, the, knows the, this, that it's not accurate. Well, the right. mathematics of it are wrong. Right. Yeah, because it's two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. But so yeah, what are you proposing? Well, body composition, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so many advances in technology to figure out what a person's um, body fat to lean muscle mass mm-hmm. ratio is. Right. And then we put the focus on keeping the mass, right, keeping the muscle. Okay. And getting rid of the fat. And you had the hydrostatic tank where people used to remember they submerge right. in they water. Had to measure their yes. Fat. Well, the gold school. standard yeah. <laughs> now, the gold standard is the DEXA scan. <clears throat> well, but you can't Wait. go get that every month. That's right. We do DEXA scan for yeah. bone for density. Bone density. So it's right. got to be density. Okay, right. go, go, and go. So, this is good. So we have created algorithms, neural netting, and um, that will take a person's information like ethnicity, which oftentimes is not looked at, mm-hmm. their weight. Uh, the waist measurement, and in seconds, we can tell you what your body fat percentage is within 2% accuracy of the DEXA scan. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. All through your phone. Where's the genius Boom. or the brain ba- the genius or brain box that, that made up these algorithms? Were they engineers? I would engineers? like to, I would like to take, advent, uh, take um, <laughs> I would like to take credit for that. No. <laughs> Are you gonna stand up? Yeah. Take a bow. Oh, was I set up? Was that, did, right. I, did I just? Yeah. I was like, oh, no. He's... Well, that's stay healthy. That's yeah. the team that we have there. The researchers, the the it's physicians, amazing. the the people who are on a mission to to inform people. Because mm-hmm. I heard you say earlier, it's all about education. Yes, all absolutely. about education yes. and and. Uh, the word doctor, it comes from the Latin etymology, which means to teach, as in indoctrinate. Yeah. We were taught, I, I trained at Harvard, I was there for 15 years. We were taught at Harvard, a chance to touch is a chance to teach. Mm-hmm. So if I don't teach you something when you come in the office, if I don't leave you with something something smarter about your body, mm-hmm. I haven't been a good doctor. That's what I view it as. No, yeah. That is why I stayed with my doctor. Well, he, he's now since closed, just recently closed his uh-huh. practice, his OBGYN practice. And... Uh, you know, I stayed with him for 20 years because mm-hmm. of that, because I just loved his approach. He was so informative. I felt mm-hmm. that, you know, I had, you know, control of, you know, what I was doing there. And he was obviously helping. But um, but it was very interactive. It wasn't just like, you know, just kind of be on your you know little own way, you know, and I loved it. I loved it. and he was I think some people he rubbed the wrong way because he was very pragmatic. He was very realistic. Yeah, yeah. Like when I, when I got pregnant, as far as like just managing weight, he was very realistic right. about that um, and very hands on. And he said that he would rub some people the wrong way because they didn't want to hear that he would. They don't want to hear the truth. Yeah, they want to hear the truth. You can't well, you handle choose, the truth. Right. Well, and well, I was like, not want to hear the it's truth. It's a consumer market. In 1997, mm-hmm. I was working at a, a health clinic, one of the original health clinics in the United States in the inner city population in Boston. Mm-hmm. And it was set up with the African-American population. And that was the first mm-hmm. place I went to work after residency. And they, um, 
I remember uh, we, it, it, the idea of a health clinic or a comprehensive health clinic was mm -hmm. that under one roof you would have adult medicine, pharmacy, x-ray, pediatrics, OBGYN, and it was all under one roof, which mm -hmm. when it was talking about access to care, and this was happened in the 70s, I guess they built it, so it was a pretty famous place. Mm -hmm. But we were, in 1997, they had a staff meeting. I remember so clearly because I was <laughs> late and I had to stand in the back, and the director of the clinic said, I'm going to make a statement that's going to make some of you very uncomfortable. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead, you know, and he goes, medicine has become a business. And we all stood there and said, oh, no, I don't. medicine has become a business. And me and my mouth from the back of the room, I just was like, excuse me, I didn't get into medicine for a business. Uh -huh. I didn't get into it to make money. I didn't get in it to manage. I got in it to take care of people. And that's where my heart and my practice is going to stay. Mm -hmm. And to say that medicine is a business is sort of blasphemous to me. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me. Oh, he looked at me straight in the eye and said, predictably, in less than a year, you will be changing your statements and your mind. And I did. And it's become a business. So we're talking about consumers now. Consumers can choose their doctors. Right. It has become competitive. When I, I do advertising as a doctor, did I ever yeah. think I would do that? That's oh, no, right. I was going to become sleazy and cheap. You know, right. that sort of thing. That's what I thought of it. Yeah. I mean, did you ever I think mean, that one day you would begin your day in your car sharing information, <laughs> sharing in information car? from the perspective of a... Uh, well, is it, is it uh, gyno? How do you know? Gyno, like a gynecologist. Yeah, riding in the car with a gyno. Right in You know car. what? I did. Not teaching as a doctor, but when I decided to become a doctor, remember when I was like deciding, should I go on to medical school or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing I always, always, always <laughs> wanted to be in my life was a newscast announcer. I don't think I've told anyone that. Yeah, I wanted to be like in those days. It was Connie Chung, and I wanted. So to be you're the feeling first. real comfortable like, right now. Yeah. Oh man, I got my. She's my, like, I take you know, this. Yeah. You gotta take this with you when you yeah, go. I want. I just want to bronze it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll carry it around with my patients. Yeah. So, so, but no. Once I became a doctor, I never thought I'd be doing something like that. I thought, oh my god, especially. Excuse me, I should whisper this, but especially coming from Harvard, they are about the most stately and conservative. In fact, I used to be told I have a Harvard voice because when you speak from Harvard. You emphasize your consonants and you pause appropriately when you teach. If I'm about to explain to you <laughs> and lecture, mm -hmm. I need to speak in a way that makes you respect me and where I sound credible about the subject I'm describing. That's my Harvard voice. Right. Okay, so, yeah. So, that I never thought I'd be in a car. Yeah, I started getting sex. sleepy when you yeah. were talking. Like that. <laughs> I, I, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, Harvard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd have a white shirt and a bow tie on. Yeah. That's right. So, but but yeah. tell us about so every day, you guys, for uh -uh. those of you who are listening and watching the show with yes. Dr. Laura, uh, if you are her Facebook friend and you follow her, she mm -hmm. gets in her car on, on the way to work mm -hmm. and she shares some amazing information. Yes, she does. From the perspective of a gyno. Gynecologist. Very open. Gynecologist, yeah, a couple yes. of times I'll talk about patients that come in. Yeah. You talk about a lot of stuff. Yes, you I do. do. What did you talk about this morning? <laughs> I didn't hear this. I didn't hear this. I didn't hear this. What was it? I, I did talk about I did talk about T-Mobile acquiring Sprint, which I thought was a real coup after seven years and twenty six okay. billion dollars. Yeah, they had oh fought goodness. for it. Twenty six billion dollars and seven years, and they took it to court over and over again. And the judge said this is what made him decide, which I mm. thought was really cool. T-Mobile has shown that they have made uh, programs that have met the consumer needs. And because of this, we think acquiring Sprint will help them to do more of the same. 
That's what was ah. stated. And so, so I don't just meet, read medical journals. This is Wall Street Journal. And so now we're down to three, right? Let me see, AT&T, Verizon, Verizon. and, yeah, and, and uh, T-Mobile. So hmm. it's either going to be good uh-huh. or it's going to be okay, very so I guess expensive. So, part so of I that, talked about that th- th- today. Okay, so yeah. this morning you talked about that. But I also talked about, let's see if you can guess what I'm talking about uh, when I talk see. about uh, tantalizing you, titillating toys. Uh-oh. Sex toys, I, yeah. I feel like it's part. Bingo, okay. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, oh, ding, I got ding, a point. Ding, ding. Yeah, wow. you do. We, we should, I could give you a pop quiz here. He yeah, yeah. He got that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I started getting nervous. So, I'm sweating a little. <laughs> I'm like, where, where is this going? A little shiny there, a little shiny there. But actually, I did a, I did a writing in the car with a gyno two years ago about the sex toy industry uh-huh. has actually started to focus more on women. Mm-hmm. That they, and, and to me, that was in conjunction with women coming out and I don't mean that in a lesbian way but mm-hmm. I coming out in terms of their sexuality and in terms of women and I I'm not going to get political but after Trump made his pussy call in 2017 in 2018 we had the women's march we had LGBTQ mm-hmm. we had the me you movement the me and you. it was in 2018 that I think mm-hmm. women gained the voice that they will never quiet and so that's happening so it was then so this affected it had a ripple effect for everything including sex toys and Mm. the sexual toy industry Mm. women will always ask me and if you've gone into and i'm not going to ask you if you have but you can admit it if you want (laughs) but if you've gone into any of the sex shops around one of the first things i ever noticed when someone took me into one was those are huge, you know, <laughs> yeah, and they're all over the wall, and it's like layers of them, and I go, oh, 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 you're right. kidding me. So women will say, why? And essentially it's because that's what I think the opposite sex thought we enjoyed, because, and women are responsible. Right. They have not come out and said, huge big plastic one isn't going to satisfy me how about a little thing to just go right on the clitoris that would be nice mm-hmm. you know right. that sort of thing so now they're um they've listened there's more women probably working in the industry as well so that they've been able to describe their needs better right what are the you were asking me if i carried vibrators in the office i carry oh. a day oh, oh, oh thank you for putting that <laughs> well hey we're gonna come back <laughs> Was <laughs> that for like intermission? Intermission? Uh, yeah. Is that a break time? Yeah, no, I, no. Oh God, he's no, blushing. I, I'm not blushing. Oh, I didn't, I I didn't not see blushing. that coming. Yes, you are. No, I know red when because, I see it. Because I, because I do want to go there. I want to talk about. Yeah. Because you touch on so many things, and that's why I asked you that question about: Do you make available uh, vibrators for Definitely. your patients? Oh, you Definitely. do. So, because you're yeah. you're there, like family practice. Yeah. Then primary care. Basically. Yeah. You do some, sex doctor. You do some yeah. lipo yeah. and stuff like that. It costs. Well, There's a we're vagina so- reconstruction. Or something oh, like that. a lot of uh, I mean, rejuvenation. Lot of rejuvenation. Work. Reconstruction. Better orgasms through uh, PRP in your clitoris. I inject PRP into the clitoris, oh, wow. and women not are just t- on your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how coy! <laughs> I like that little yeah. demure. Okay, so, so connected that for me because all right. So years ago, one of my friends was a Cherokee. He was a part of the Cherokee tribe. Mm-hmm. Nice. And he was explaining to me, and, and I'm not going to do this justice, but you guys get the idea. Okay. He says that the way they look at the at the hand, you got like this finger is for like love, this uh, finger is for you know finances, and he basically goes around and then you wrap the thumb around it, and it all kind of comes together. And so in my mind, I think of everything that touches on sexuality mm-hmm. and how it ties into better health. Absolutely. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where I'm Absolutely. Going? I don't think that they should be separate. 
Right, and you've integrated. Yes, I don't so think true. that they should be separate. I think your sexuality is nearly dependent on good health, and that's in the mental, physical, and spiritual way. Yes, yeah. it is in entirely when you. Let's make it really simple. When you feel better, when you look better, mm-hmm. you feel better. You do better at love making and feeling right. sexy. It for sure. Down. I for see sure. that in my liposuction patients. I had I had a sixty year old woman come in and have liposuction. She said I can only afford the lower abs. I said, listen, my work is important to me. If it's okay with you, I'm going to do the entire abdominal area. She's so great. Her husband Tony comes in. He's sixty seven. She's sixty three. He goes, can you tell Jane to quit dancing naked in front of the mirror? <laughs> and I go, no. Yeah, let her dance. And she goes, Laura, I just feel so good. And I. Uh, Tony said, you know what, Dr. Laura, I love Jane more now since she had lipo. I go, what? That's not, I go. Right. You're like, and he I'm said, no, take that. I loved her before. He goes, but I love her more now because she loves herself. Mm. Hmm. And, I, and I did ask him, I said, Tony, how's the sex? You know, like that. How is that? She, he goes, she's back on top. So I like that. So you literally will have people come in and let's say you notice they have elevated blood pressure. Got it. And because you actually talk to your patients, you right. make it sound like an oddity. But you know, almost, yeah. you know, I mean, it is. Oh, okay. I mean, because a lot of doctors don't have the time. That's where the nurse assistants come into play, and they're just not talking to them. Right. But you actually talk, and when I say talk, I'm meaning you listen as well. And sometimes they come in maybe for their basic annual like checkup, mm-hmm. but the solution they leave with is maybe a little lipo, or maybe something else you can do for them mm-hmm. that could. Help, help them feel better. And like you said, they do better. And then that helps bring down added stress, right. hypertension. Am I going, am I on the right path here? You're, well, it's, you're, you're pushing one of my buttons because, um, because I like to push buttons. Button. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> Another point, Robert, um, you're pushing one of my buttons because when I had a person who was doing the marketing in my office, uh, he, he was a male and he was doing marketing in my office and he'd say to me, well, when you have them up for the pap smear, their legs and their stirrups, can't you hit their thigh and say, hey, how are you liking those thighs? And I go, excuse oh me, God. I am not going to sell up to lipo while I'm doing a pap smear. That is right. insane. So what has happened? So that's a pretty good idea. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm just that's kidding. a very male idea. <laughs> I mean, right? I know, right? <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to draw but, the wall but, online again. Because that, that bordered on unethical for me to yeah. sell something while I was taking care of them and and I understand that but now and and what he said was very true if you don't tell your patients that now you're doing Botox and they find out they're gonna say Dr. Laura why don't you tell me you're that's doing right. this and that's what happened they'd say right. Dr. Laura I heard you're doing liposuction you didn't tell me you did that and the reason I really did it the reason I even did Botox was because I listened to my patients they would go Dr. Laura you're a doctor. Why don't you just learn to do Botox? I go, because I'm not putting needles in your face. And they would bug me so much. And it was my patient said, they would say to me while they were in the store, Dr. Laura, you should learn lipo. You know, <laughs> you could do something about this. And I So realized, they're the ones reach down there. They're the, the thighs. The thighs. Yeah. But I realized in the 90s, it was very... Uh, it was very tre- it was more than trendy it be- became a medical practice that we did minimally invasive surgery for women in our office mm-hmm. that was the 90s that's when i trained I, in boston and we were doing everything under uh, local sedation and uh-huh. or, or sedation with local anesthetic mm-hmm. in other words i get you very relaxed relaxed enough to sleep awake enough to walk and then i localize the area for numbing and it mm-hmm. worked and so this is what we do with liposuction women love it 
and so do men. I have 200 men in my practice right now. So what happens is you don't have downtime. Uh, you can go back to work faster, three to seven days. You don't have this fogginess for days as you clear the gas from general anesthesia. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be a contributing partner too, and it's important to me. The word collaboration is part of my my basic philosophy statement: is that you and I enter a, co- a collaborative partnership mm-hmm. where we seek out your wellness. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Well, I have three Dot? big questions oh, that I want to ask. Daughters or what? Okay. Yeah. I, you know what? I love questions. They okay. tell us that for twelve years, you 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 learn the answers, and you, when you get out, you're just dying to have the questions. And so <laughs> when I. My response would be only three, Robert. Well, three that I 100% knew I wanted to bring up and share dun, as dun, part dun. of today's show. Okay, remember, here comes a button push. So right. that's okay. right. Well, yeah, no, it's not a button. I mean, so one of my dear friends who's from Indiana, uh, one night we were talking to him and his dad, and his dad was a gynecologist. And I was, you know, talking to him, and he was telling us stories. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to share with you a briefly story. <laughs> one of his, this story he shared with me. He shared two that just blew my mind. The second one is, I was like, I never will be a gynecologist. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Because okay. you missed shot. Oh, this. Okay. Well, no, I got to share we this. got him outnumbered. Okay. So right. I'm going to share the story. More estrogen in this room. <laughs> That's okay. right. I'm sharing the story because it sets me up to ask you the question. Okay. And so he was sharing with, he said he had this over- fat large lady who's one of his patients come in and she was complaining about certain things she was getting her exam and so he's down there you know kind of doing what he's doing the pelvic exam and he's like looking around and Mm. doing all that stuff and he sees something and he's like what what you know he's like so he kind of goes in like was it moving (laughs) (laughs) was it a head (laughs) so long story short he found a potato in there Oh, okay. So she, I guess the lady had been playing with herself with the potato oh. and fell asleep or was drinking or something, and it was just there. So I was like, how do you know? How, I mean, how do you not how know? How do you, you not know? So what's a crazy story that you, oh. I mean. <laughs> she's trying to make Mine's it rude. Kind of sad, she's trying to make though. it rude. <laughs> Mine's, I found this to be sad. Oh my God! Uh, there, it was the same thing because the vagina is a cavity. It's about nine centimeters long. It expands. It can expand. Like I, I right. love my vagina almost as much. Oh well, I won't compare it to the penis. <laughs> uh, but our vaginas are amazing. Yes, amazing, amazing. And so, uh, it, they, the vaginas can actually have uh, the capacity to take things in. We had a woman once, and I do believe in Boston, because we ran uh, at Beth Israel. We ran a separate emergency room under the whole big emergency room that was just gynecology so if they had if they had a woman with a vagina that needed something call the gynecologist and we had our separate uh, area of four rooms where we would see patients mm-hmm. there was a woman who came in and said my birdie my birdie my birdie hurts and I thought oh she I heard a lot of terms for vagina <laughs> right buttercup was one but anyway we won't go there That's my cute. cookie flower yeah, I, yeah flower. flower yeah yeah African Americans have a lot they have cute little terms but her uh-huh. buttercup nanny yeah but this like Wu-Tang Clan here <laughs> yeah. uh, okay I'm still learning I'm still learning I wait I 
I gotta write some of those down. But uh, but she said my birdie's my birdie my birdie's hurt, and she said what? And she we went to examine her, and in her vagina there were twigs and leaves, and she, what? she yeah she she had twigs and leaves hanging out. And I shouldn't she, laugh. No, it's but, it's nervous oh, laughter. Man. It's nervous no, laughter. Oh, like, and so we did gardening. a very careful exam. She goes, get, help my birdie, please help my birdie. And when we went in there, she had a little glass figurine of a bird, and she had made a nest for it in her vagina. Uh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So she was worried about her birdie. I guess she couldn't get it out, or I guess she was wondering if... I don't know what she was wondering. Right. I just That was a, a <clears throat> kind of crazy, crazy Okay, thing. so yeah. my... My birdie. My friend's dad, who was a gynecologist wow. with a potato, that's... that's that's possible. Well, we took care of men. <laughs> we took care of men anymore. He just got one up. Hey, I mean, try these older men who uh, have difficulty with erections because we worked in the emergency room, uh-huh. and we would have these older men come in with rubber bands tied around the head of their penis so they wouldn't lose their erection, and it had, they couldn't get it off. Oh, yeah. gosh. Or the man who used cocaine so he could mo- maintain his erections because cocaine is a vasoconstrictor, so you dilate up, you get an erection, you put cocaine, it stays erect. He actually caused necrosis on the head of his penis and lost oh. his penis. There were even. Oh wow. my goodness. That's things people will do. Boston teaching hospitals. Oh. I go on and on and, and on. Just, you, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when we talk about health, mm-hmm. oftentimes you don't hear people talk about the health of your vagina or the yeah. health of your penis. You know what I mean? Sexual health in general. Because we don't talk about it. My no. sister said I'm uh, I'm I'm going to become a Officially, I think I already am a sexual medicine expert, but actually taking uh, work with an organization in California or an organization nationwide for that to become uh, to become a fellow so that I become a sexual medicine expert. Mm-hmm. My sister said, that's perfect for you because you've been saying the word vagina at the dinner table since <laughs> you were 18. And my point has been this, unless we make it common day, there's nothing scary about the word vagina. I remember my ex-husband, he said, don't call it a penis when I had a son. I go, don't call like it a what penis. Then? What do you want me to call it? How about a one-eyed, heat-seeking moisture <laughs> missile? <laughs> and oh, that's that. better. That's yeah, the only, missile is here. Yeah, he's only three. How about the one-eyed snake? He goes. He's only three. I don't think he's going to learn that. Penis is an easy word yes, for me to say, it's and it's very anatomically correct. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's okay to say. Penis. We don't talk about it though. And okay, most well, let's, men, let's so, talk about yeah. it. Oh, let's yeah. talk about penis and vagina. Yeah, all day. And all the right. more comfort you give women, the mm-hmm. more you validate them and give them permission to speak about be it. Ashamed. The better they, the more comfortable they are with their own sexuality. And you've mm-hmm. got to understand whether it was the Victorian era or whether or not it's a Mexican woman who's religious precludes her talking about her vagina there's a lot of stigma or a lot of restriction on women being able to talk about it and my job is that i'll be i'll be your vagina's mouth (laughs) you know i will i'll I'll open it up and i'll speak for all of you so that you can speak about it too well good well let's let's get down in uh nitty-gritty i'm glad you didn't say dirty no no. you always dirty let's get down and dirty i know barbara go ahead i know you have a question something i had a a couple well (laughs) well shoot i'll kind of link i'll um, kind of just go off of this what we're talking about is do you feel like because when I first met you that was one of the things I love the the most is how refreshing it was that you're just your conversation just about sexuality and women's health and that oh, arena is that. very yeah. it's just very open very natural but I would imagine in your practice not everybody's comfortable like that like how do you how do you bridge that and help them understand that it's something that they can be comfortable with 
That is an excellent question from mm -hmm. a woman. Excellent. Mm -hmm. I would say to you that the ground is already broken mm -hmm. a little bit, or the ice is broken, because mm -hmm. I'm a gynecologist. True. So, so they come in knowing, and because we're alone in the room. Right. I'll give you an example. 70-year-old woman comes in, and I ask every one of my patients, how's your sex life? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and she goes, I'm, she goes, uh, you know, you're, I know you're married. Are you having intercourse? Well, right. my husband's on hypertensive meds and, you know, and mm -hmm. he, I think he's shy about it. And he, I go, but we've learned to function. I go, well, are you missing it? Do you want me to work with you on helping to get something back with him? Not at this point. He's going to have a procedure done and this sort of thing, you know, health wise. Aww. I said, well, in that case, do you have toy? I, I get into it. Right. Do you have toys or anything? And do you masturbate? And are you able to uh, gain orgasm? Yeah. And she looks at me, she's 70. And she, right, she was me, probably like, whoa. And she goes, no one's ever asked me that yeah. before. Thank you so much. She goes, yes, I do. Yes. It's getting a little dry and I'm having trouble putting the toy in, you know, and that sort of thing. Really? But can you still orgasm? Oh, yes, I can. That's amazing because some of women will diminish. I said, good. She goes, I can't get over this that you asked me. I said, yeah, it's appropriate to talk about it, not just with your gyne gynecologist, but where it's appropriate to talk about. You know, I can talk to you yeah. about different toys. I introduced her to some new things because a lot of the older women are using uh, you know, uh, vibrators made by men, I guess. You know, oh, the ones that you saw it. on the wall? Yeah, the one that you <laughs> I went, oh, you're kidding. Yeah, that yes. sort of thing. So, so um, I, this is awful. Okay. Bless <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's no, hear it. Let's no, hear it. no, no, this is not awful, but it's bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Oh. I'm very Catholic. Okay, but it's, <laughs> it's um, I don't wait for them to feel comfortable. Okay. Well, you, you just, just kind of go, go right yeah. and she goes all in. I, I mean, I like part, that. I, I like think that. it's part of the completeness of my care of women. Mm -hmm. And so by not saying to them, Barbara, is it okay if we talk about your sex life? Mm -hmm. I just say, so how's sex? How's your sex life? Are, straight you know, out. are you satisfied? Is there any pain? And, uh -huh. and half the women, half the women will say, I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm noticing I'm not right. having orgasms as strong. It's taking right. me longer. Or, you know, I've noticed that it's, you know, we can make love on Saturday and on Thursday, ah, it hurts. You can't get in. It's like sandpaper. What's that? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. So they, so you've opened that door for them because they don't know how to get, almost, they don't know how I to get there. I always open the door and push them through it. Right. Yeah. But just yeah. like, boom. Because I know it's there after practicing with women for so long yeah. and being one all my life, you know, I know that we, okay, I'm going to go on. I wish I, I wish I was on national television. My new thing as of two years ago is to stand up and beat my chest and say, women love sex. We love it. We love sex. We love good sex. And yes. we don't love painful sex. But we love it. All of that Hell stigma. Yeah. No, remember that. I don't know if you're old enough, but people would. A lot of times they would say, "Oh, my wife doesn't want it anymore. Oh, my wife always what? has a headache, or my wife's too tired, or this sort of thing." No, I'm learning from my women that the majority of women, especially mm. those over sixty, who still want sex, it's usually the male that is not is not uh, uh, coming forward. Mm. I have women who have said. You know, he sort of slipped into the guest bedroom and he doesn't go, he doesn't come to bed anymore. I think he's having trouble, but he won't talk oh, about it. He doesn't want to. And he, uh, one of them who said, and Dr. Laura got a pretty little nightgown and I went to go seduce him. He oh. just said, not tonight, not tonight. Can you just leave me alone? So he, or this, in this particular yeah, case, didn't want to deal I with it. I think we should do a whole thing. You know what I oh, want to no, do? I mean, yeah. I'm with you because a lot of that type of uh, 
activity yeah. between you know couples, mm-hmm. I think leads to mental health issues. For sure. I see a lot of depression around it. Mm-hmm. Because like I saw the other day, I watched a, a couple have a conversation. And it was a funny conversation. Mm-hmm. And the guy, he literally goes, you know, I'm a pretty good dancer. And he's a Caucasian guy. And he said, <laughs> um, I'm a pretty good dancer. You know, some people think I'm black when you see me move. <laughs> and he goes, uh, but, you know, not in all areas am I black. Right? So you see where he was going with right. it. Right. And then she, she looks over and she goes, I can vouch for that. And it killed him. Ooh. I saw his face go from we're playing like to playful like, to just oh, defeated. Like, oh, oh, oh. She basically had stood up and said, you know, he has a very small penis. Yes. Right. Yeah. We might as well just, just and be so out with now, it. now, think about it. Fast forward three, four weeks is going to go by. Yes. That's going to be in his head for oh, a while. Yeah. It's going to take a oh. long time. Well, if just he... like we were talking about weight right. and negative feedback. Yes. That's right. a negative feedback. Yeah. Oh, no, he's diminished. Sure. And I'm going to tell you something I've learned about mm-hmm. men. I don't know a lot about men and I don't pretend to understand them at all. Mm -hmm. I love their man brain because they think differently than I, but there's two things I've learned about men that is very, very important. Hmm. Number one, they are insecure. I used to walk around thinking... Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, they do have... They have insecurities. I used to... I used And women don't. Well, women... Speak them and display them oh, yeah, openly. We start them. crying yeah, in front of you. Yeah, that sort of thing. We do, but do that. men don't, yes. and and it's because it's in your genetic makeup. I don't even blame the male, uh, uh, the male uh, gender description. I blame it's in your DNA. You were born to be a provider and a protector. When they had woolly tooth uh, uh, t- or woolly mammoth and the saber tooth tigers, you could not act insecure when you went out to protect your family. So you are not allowed even genetically to show insecurities. But you have them and they're very, they run right under the surface. Women need to be careful with that. You can't go insulting your partner and expect him to be your lover that night. You know, you have to be really careful. I remember- Well, you, there's a lot of women that emasculate their men. Oh my God, they've, I've been I mean, accused that's big. in the day. You, they verbally cra- castrate yeah. them. And they, they don't verbal- and they don't realize the damage they're causing. So then they they're don't wondering because, why okay. he's not running to the bedroom. Okay, second right. thing then I've learned about men is that they their feelings run very deep. It's like still waters run deep. Mm-hmm. They have never, or they're my son now because he was raised by me. He's very emo, but <laughs> they have not been historically given the language or the tools to express those emotions that run deep. But they goddamn feel them. They just do. You have no idea. Well, and, and sure. I th- well, I've seen the flip side, right? So, <clears throat> I've coached thousands of women Go over ahead. the years, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And many times, and I've shared this with all our diet free life coaches. Right. I'll be working with a lady, and she's making progress. Then she's not, and we're stuck. But she's still coming to her coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. And fast forward as we talk and work through it, I find out that she wants to lose weight, but she doesn't want to lose weight. She wants to lose weight. But she doesn't. And where she's trapped is that I know I want to drop this weight. Uh But my husband made a comment the other day about my boobs, my breasts not being as big as they used to be. So she's like, can I spot reduce? I mean, mm-hmm. so now all she can think can about. I spare the boobs yeah, thin the that's body. That's all she's yeah, thinking yeah. about mm-hmm. is oh. the comment that he made. And so she doesn't feel as sexually attractive. And she's stuck because she keeps losing and they get smaller. And he's going to make another comment. Right. And the same thing happens to that little girl who starts to gain a little bit of weight. She's eight, nine, ten years old. Right. And the daddy looks at her and goes like this. 
Oh, oh God. I've had many women tell me over the years that daddy made a look at them and oh. they've battled with their weight since. It's so sad. And we know through National Institute of Health and many other studies and mm-hmm. research that the average person begins their diet, young lady, at the age of nine. It's so sad. That's the Department of Health and Human Services. Mm-hmm. So nine years wow. old. And now with social media and everybody pretending oh, constantly the- on Instagram to have this certain life. And when you don't have it. Look a certain way. And now you got all these apps now that can change your body. I can change like, the filters. I can make my waist smaller. Oh, I make your butt like this. Your yeah, waist like this. So you like meet this. people now. They, it's like, where's the person I've been talking to? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dating sites. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, that's so true. My goodness. That, you know, again, I'm going to go. The bigger picture is is just kindness, you know. It's just kindness, and and I'm so sorry that there's any kind of abuse in the world. I think the abuse in the world is there to teach us what we don't want, right? You know, and I'm just so sad, uh, and especially parental kindness. I think again, protect the children, and and um, I think what I have to decide had to decide, and that's a whole nother story about my personal healing where mm-hmm. sexual abuse is concerned. And physical abuse mm-hmm. at the hand of men is concerned, and the longevity of it, and what I had to do to heal myself about that. But that's another story. But I think that um, what we have to do, what I learned, and what I teach my patients, is that you can call it your soul, you can call it your inner being, you mm-hmm. can call it your gut or your intuition, but your soul never looks back. There's really no purpose into looking back to those things. And mm-hmm. as adults anyway, not as kids because we're not mature enough, but as adults you make a choice about how you are going to perceive things. And when we empower people that the choice is theirs to be happy, to live in joy, and to not look back, mm-hmm. we're going to have a lot more happier people, I think. Yeah. And that's very, very powerful. And I think it's something that uh, we should learn to do, especially those people who have been abused. If you want to hang on to being a victim, that is a choice that you make. Right. It's mm-hmm. not going to be pretty, and it's not going to be healthy, and it's probably going to cause weight and, and right. trouble in, in the bedroom. But if you choose to be a victim, it is not a healthy way to stay. I like that. Yeah. Okay, well, we're, we have about 10 minutes okay. to wrap it up. Wrap but I have it. three rabbit questions for you. All right, fire them. Okay, oh, so like you can thing. expand on it as a yes or no. But the first one is, and, and the premise is that every time a person eats, they burn calories, right? That's one Ready. of the three reasons why people burn calories, right? It's called the thermic effect of food. Metabolism, my, right? Yeah. yeah. My question to you is, every time a man... Um, masturbates. Yes. Does he burn more calories? It's a form of exercise, so yes, he would. Yeah. You like that, huh, there, Barbara? But 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 the caveat is this: the amount of calories that he would burn through masturbation are not valuable enough to say, you know, just go jerk off forever. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So the same with women, then too, right? Yeah. But we are you burning out anytime your body moves. And, and we're right here, if we sat here and we didn't even speak, mm-hmm. we're burning calories, right. okay? Mm-hmm. Not to the degree if I went and ran three miles, but yeah, True. we are. I love the fact that we are an energy machine and there's yeah. nothing else like the human body on earth. I dare you. I dare you to try to compare it to anything that you have on earth. And that's what makes me believe in God or a greater spirit is mm-hmm. there's no man on earth that all you have to do is see a baby be born. Yeah. All you have to do is see a baby be born. 
Yeah. And oh. you realize there's something way greater than me out there. So yeah. true. Well, and the human body is proof. I can weigh in on that because when my first daughter was born, mm-hmm. I was in the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're pushing. We're going through mm-hmm. the whole process. I'm right there off to the side. And uh, the, the nurse, come, one of the nurses comes in. She uh-huh. looks at me and she goes, do you want to take a break? I didn't realize, but I knew I was sweating. I was nervous. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, like, I was turning, I was turning like pretty, pretty pale. <laughs> they said, get a chair beside that guy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, uh, you. Literally, she like, looks at me, she goes, hey, you can go take a break. And I was like, yeah, I would like that. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so funny. So I ran into the bathroom real quick as they were like still pushing. Flesh water I threw some water yeah, on. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, come on, get it together, man. Get it together. Get Do it not together. Pass out right. your I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, see how tough we I'm are? Like, get, oh, you guys are way tougher. Sure. So I go back and then I see the crowning. Woo. I was like, all right, I got to go looked? back to the bathroom. <laughs> You look, see, oh God. Okay, that, that's something. I don't know. Oh, goodness. I tell men not to look. It is. It's it something is, uh, you can't unsee. It's true. Yes. I was in the. I was and in the delivery. I want my place to be your sexual place. I do not want it to be. Yeah. The, the opening for your child's head. I saw yeah. my I saw one of my that. friends deliver, and it, it <laughs> is. It just completely is just yeah. You, you can't unsee it. it. You can't unsee it. Right. Yeah. It is amazing. So so the men would often say. Do I need to? Do I need to look down there? Don't. I'll just stay this you know, way. The knees. Well, she wants me. No, she doesn't. Yeah. I would tell the woman, do not let him look. Down. Do not let him look down there. Yeah, because they're, you're scarred for life. You never like, see. There's nothing else like it, right? right. There's nothing, nothing else like, like it. Like, and you're dang. going, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's sort of thing. The other thing is yeah, cutting. Right? I think cutting the no, cord. Right. <laughs> I was, you know, flashing back over. Here. I think cutting the cord is overrated. I want to go down on saying that. I think cutting the cord is overrated. All the women who say, "Babe, cut the cord, cut the cord," it's overrated. It's just you know. Well, when I was in there, the guy goes, uh, "Did you? You want to cut the cord?" I go, "I'm, I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> you go ahead that's your job yeah <laughs> you're like i'll just massage the shoulders i'll do the shoulders right okay so my second question for you or statement is <clears throat> you hear i've heard many women you know talk about having two three four five kids and then their partner who they're with regularly says hey it's just not the same and it's it's, a, it's pretty open down there <laughs> if you follow me yeah. Um, what are some of the healthier options or procedures a woman can go through if there is one that can help you know fix that 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 challenge that they're dealing with? There are many many things now out for women that can improve that the laxity. In fact, I'm working with the International Society of Cosmetic Gynecologists to define define vaginal laxity. Mm-hmm. Women come and say my vagina feels really loose. And mm-hmm. and uh, then you want to decide where does it feel loose? You know, is it just at the opening? There's it's kind of gaping, or is it uh, or is it inside that it feels loose because those are your muscles? Huh. And there's a lot of factors. You could have one baby and feel that way, right. or you could have six and not be that way. A lot is in your hereditary factors of your own tissue, as you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you work and train people, and you know some people develop muscle and some won't, and this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it depends. Uh, the most recent case that I did was a woman, a Latina woman who had had five uh, babies and she said the opening was too wide and where your vagina should be more like a V this way 
where she was more with here. It was mm-hmm. almost as though where she, they had sewed her, it had come apart. Oh, She okay. felt it. Her husband never complained. I can't stand it when husbands complain. You know, talk is okay, but to just say, uh, pull out and just say it's too wide, or I'm not feeling anything. That's very detrimental as well. Of course. So this woman came in, and as I put my fingers in, and we have this kind of rule. I used to say it was the Har- Harvard only produces two-finger vaginas, because when we would do repairs, my professor would say, check, well, we would always make the med student check. Check her. See if she's a two-finger vagina. I just repaired her. And the med student would go, what do you mean? What do you mean? See right. if she's a two-finger vagina. Stick your two fingers in. I sewed her back together. Again, I repaired her and make sure, and they would very gingerly do two fingers. So two fingers is probably about par. Uh, granted, people are bigger and smaller, but that's about par. If they're more gaping than that, and then uh, it's feasible that it would be uncomfortable to that a man would feel it doubtful, though, because there's always room, no matter what size your penis is, to feel some friction. But this one was gaping at the beginning. So what I did yeah, you for You can always her, go she, to the left a little bit, go to the right a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>, she <laughs> both said. But she was one who noticed it. She, she felt noticed it. it. Okay. She didn't like she, it. She had looked at herself. Which is a good oh, sign for her, yeah. right? Oh, I was going to say, how yeah. did she, she just, she, she actually had, which is very rare for Latino women. Because they're taught that place is just uh, for babies and pleasing men. But anyway, um, yeah, so she had looked down and I said, yeah, there's a gap. And we went in and it didn't go far. Her vagina seemed fine, but she was a little gaping. So what we did with her was a vaginoplasty, a perineoplasty. So I took a diamond, a kind of triangle from the inside of her mm-hmm. vagina and pulled it tighter, made the opening tighter and trimmed it so that it was more even looking and then pulled up the bottom tissue from the recti- from the anus up to the vagina. So she came out looking tight and pretty. So it looked really good. And then after I did that, I offered her... Um, that's the other thing. I think these pro- these costs are prohibitive for women right. who want, and they shouldn't. If I could give it away for free for everyone, because insurance very rarely pays for it, I but I, they can. If I write it up a certain way, you know, like you're depressed, you have painful sex, you have painful periods, you, right. you have poor body self-image, or Otherwise, you what have bulimia, you have, you know, anorexia, you're going crazy, right. yeah, you can, yeah, and that sort of thing. So when we when I did her, what we did additionally, Robert, and I'm doing with women, is a non-ablative laser on the outside. So the labia on the outside can kind of... <laughs> One of my patients said, look at my lips. They look like a ball sack. And I right. go, don't say that because they're all wrinkly at the bottom. And if we put laser, it puts thermal heat. It puts thermal heat through the labia, encourages the growth of collagen. So and like they, I mean, it? I can show you. My phone's full of these. No, just kidding. Um, but I can show you. It, you can see the immediate result of being external laser. So in this woman that I had repaired, I did laser so that it encouraged blood flow and nerve endings. And she said, not only did it look better, Better to her, but it felt better. Vaginal laser is what I'm very successful with. With and the youngest woman I've had not done because everyone thinks, oh, when you get old, do laser. Thirty-three years old. She had had three babies. Felt like she was gaping. Husband hadn't complained. She felt she would just just examine. She's just I just it just feels different. It feels like I'm too smooth in there when he makes love to me. I don't feel the rubbing, and it makes me feel like so I'm she big. noticed like the difference. So she <clears throat> noticed the difference, and sex wasn't as satisfying to her. Mm-hmm. The vaginal laser again through thermal heat can send a laser beam through the vaginal wall. It affects two things. It stops and affects the vaginal wall, which is all mucosal membrane, and the studies on biopsy have. Shown if you're this thin and mm-hmm. or you know after childbirth or because of changes in estrogen or at menopause it can grow at three times as much so you get thicker. on the interior on the interior oh, the yeah. lining of the okay. vagina mm-hmm. not only that but the lining of the vagina holds the glands the glands that help bring the juices in mm-hmm. so you get you're more elastic right. you're thicker and you're more moist 
Wow. That would be great. But the laser also goes through the vagina wall. So if you think of the vagina as a tunnel, it'll right. go right through and help the supporting tissues around. The supporting tissues are things like blood vests. Are, well, they're elastin collagen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the hyaluronic acids, but they're also blood vessels and nerves. Now, if you think as blood vessel as the flow to the nerves right. that creates more liveliness in the nerves, if I heat up your blood vessels and they grow more or they engorge, mm-hmm. you have more nervous sensation, so your sensation is better too. Wow. The first laser, you do three each a month apart. The first session, mm-hmm. the woman says, historically, 100% say, my vagina feels stronger you know we don't like if they're doing kegels or something yeah not maybe kind of like that but it feels like i'm thicker but i'm just stronger i I can sense my vagina so i'm ripped second (laughs) yeah my vagina's ripped yeah the second uh episode the husband usually notices something babe i can move because he would get stuck with the dryness babe i can move more the funniest story i ever heard was this woman this girlfriend did it for for her she did it for herself because she 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 wanted a tighter vagina and she uh and they do have a tighter vagina and she said she did it she didn't tell her boyfriend she starts laura i have to tell you a story i have to tell you a story i have to tell you go ahead she goes my boyfriend he's like he's like on top of me and he's gone at it and you know i've had two sessions with the laser and he goes like this babe babe and she goes what she goes he goes i think i'm getting bigger (laughs) (laughs) he has to take the credit it's all about the penis oh my gosh and we died oh my god tell him because you know just let him enjoy it why okay now see that's the reverse of it right that was a positive message yes yes yes. at the end of the the day they're both happy yeah i have i have a yeah that's the point thank you she said it they're both See? happy. It's about yeah. both of us being happy. Yeah. It's not one of us or the other one. Or one winning. It's about mutual. There's no competition here. No. We both right. want the same thing. Right. There was a, I have a, 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 a one of uh, my patient is a bikini model and she competes. In fact, she just hit first place in the local statewide competition. She was running. She's very, very thin. If you've seen the bikini models that buff out, she's mm-hmm. very, very thin. But when she ran, she'd had a baby a year and a half ago. She's in her 40s and she would lose her urine. She came in because of mm-hmm. the loss of urine. Now, you know, the top wall of the vagina supports the bladder. Mm-hmm. One session, no longer pees or drips. She was putting wow. dub- double tampons in, very rightfully, to lift the bladder. Right. So she ran. And she, yeah, she hmm. just, in addition, she got the side effect of, wow, Sean really loves it. He, he goes down there and he says, babe, I've never seen it look so good. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it's yeah. in, I know you kind of touched on that. There's like sessions that someone would go through. Yeah, there's three different sessions. Mm-hmm. And uh, most doctors, I want, you know, if you go get the laser mm-hmm. women, uh, there's three sessions and they're each a month apart. And historically, now yeah, the studies are only about seven to 10 years out, okay. but you don't need a, a tune up. But I offer at a year, come back for a repeat. Wow. But you don't, because if you grow this tissue, it's growth. You've stimulated your own stuff mm-hmm. to grow and you don't have to put in the creams anymore and you don't have to put in the, you know, the different, uh, you don't have to use lubricant when you make love. It's not that right. messy thing. You just lie there and get moist, you know? Right. Yeah. So it works very effectively. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a, um, I've grown a lot in this conversation. You've learned a lot, huh? <laughs> Hopefully in all the right places. Your vagina IQ is higher. It's my, yeah, my vagina <laughs> IQ is higher. Okay. So my third question, <clears throat> and think about your question. I got it. We, we have about five, six minutes. Make it snappy. Um, really is, who are the, t- like, well, one, the preface is, can a person work with you from a different state or country? Yes, definitely, and okay. they do. So what are the kind of people, like, what type of services do you provide so that people who are watching, they're going, man, I got to meet this lady. I think I'm going to go see her. 
You still do family practice? It's not family pa- practice. Okay. I, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist, okay. and uh, so it's a surgical subspecialty. So I was trained as a surgeon at Harvard. So this is what I do. I do gynecology, so well woman exams and okay. any. So and all the women in the, in this county that want to come and work yeah. with you from. As yeah, a I can do your I can do okay. your your annual exam, your breast exam, and I can work with abnormal pap smears. Second of all, the second big one is liposuction. We've been doing that mm-hmm. for seven years now, and we've done over forty five hundred cases. And it's lipo that's made to be easy. There's no complication to it. We're just we do it under local sedation and uh, or sedation and local anesthesia, so it's mm-hmm. very easy to do, and uh, getting great results on that. Uh, I've d- most of the men I've done are mil- military. The military has that BMI kind of idea where they do Mm -hmm. taping and they'll put a tape to get their waist uh, you know they tape their waist but they have a Ken doll standard and so you've got these stocky little Latino guys that work out at the gym who have a you know 42 inch waist and they're five foot seven and you and and they're not going to get their transfer to Texas where their wife's family lives and or they're not going to get their promotion because they don't meet the standard they come in I said you know what you show me exactly exactly where that tape's going to go and i bring them down i'm I'm 100 percent. every one of my persons from the navy or from the military that i've liposuctioned has has made the taping oh that's mm-hmm. very interesting yeah so you that's know, very don't go exercise and change the way you eat let's and just not suck it out it's, 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 well because <laughs> lipo is for lipo the ideal lipo patient is a lipo patient that um is a person who stays in shape who has stubborn areas that can't be removed, mm-hmm. you know, through exercise. And we know that the gym, like one trainer told me, Dr. Laura, do my love handles. And I go, your love handles? He goes, Dr. Laura, you can't fl-. I go, he goes like this to me. He challenged me, flex your love handles. I'm going. <laughs> he goes, go ahead, flex like, your love like handles. <laughs> I go, I don't think I, he goes, exactly. You can't lose weight there. Suck it out. Yeah, this sort of thing. So we do liposuction and we do liposuction. We do fat transfer. So uh, speaking of the labia, oh. We transfer to the labia. The idea being that they're little bumpers when you make love, mm-hmm. and that if you put a little more fat in them, they look better, and they're a little bit softer, so that it can work with painful intercourse as well. If the pain's <laughs> bumpers, on the outside, that's so cute. They're little bumpers, yeah. And so, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. bump, bump. We yeah. go bump in the night, yeah, and mm-hmm. that's what happens. And so you can transfer fat there. I transfer fat to the face with PRP, so you do a liquid facelift. Mm-hmm. So we notice that our face starts to drop on this side, the mm-hmm. jowls, because we mm-hmm. get thin. If I fill it with fat, you get a more round and even look. I put it in your hands, your hands look younger, mm-hmm. so you put fat in there. Um, and I can transfer, I can grow hair. I grew my own hair. After a Brazilian blowout, I started getting bald on the rim, and I have the pictures. So immediately, I drew my PRP, and I injected my hair and grew it back in six wow. weeks. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. I've heard yeah. that. Yeah, it's a beautiful it. process mm-hmm. for that. So we do PRP. And we do uh, uh, microneedling for the face, which is for oh. acne scars mm-hmm. and for uh, discoloration and for just general just health. Just overall texture. I right? thought I've older women that. would want it, Barbara. I thought, oh, my God, all these 45-year-old women older mm-hmm. than the 20-year-olds. Yeah. Millennials are coming in. Dr. Laura, I want to keep my face young. Do my nice and fresh. And I go, where are you getting all this money to pay for this from? Yeah, and they're doing they're doing microneedling. And I can do it with or without PRP. Oh. Uh, and then we do uh, so we do laser, and then we do the laser. Yeah. We do the laser. So we want one-stop shopping for women for health, beauty, and wellness. And the laser and then the vaginal rejuvenation, which mm-hmm. they haven't found a better word for that. But I do, And I do sexual wellness because there's a lot. That's a whole session in itself. Right. Low libido, painful sex, um, you know. Uh, for men and women? Yeah, mm-hmm. and orgasmia. 
I do PRP, so I've been injecting uh, PRP into the clitoris. It is not painful. Okay, what we do is we put local anesthetic on the clitoris. A woman comes in and says, this is the story we had. She goes, huh. Dr. Laura, my orgasms used to be, you know, 4th of July when you have those big firecrackers and they go up and they look like a big chrysanthemum. Yeah, like the- that used to be my orgasms. Now they, and then they kind of went, start going up, meep. Bam. You know, they started to fizzle. Right. She goes, I don't even have sparklers anymore. And really? I thought it was so cute. We did her shot of PRP, 47-year-old female. 40, she comes back after PRP in her clitoris. And we numb it and block it so you don't feel it. And right. we don't go shooting all over the clitoris. Right. We go in one area. It's so small. And you inject slowly. And it just swells up the whole clitoris. Is that back. common to change? Like someone's orgasm changes like yes, that? Yes. It's due to... Because estrogen is all around every blood vessel in your mm-hmm. body. And so it's around those and if you decrease estrogen your blood flow isn't as good and so and what after all our clitoris is equivalent to your penis and what what gets them off both of them mm-hmm. uh, blood flow and nerve endings so yeah so you're not getting as much oh, blood flow okay. so we increase the blood flow with prp Makes but sense. she said to me she goes <clears throat> my partners i started to come she goes my partner noticed you're breathing really hard you don't usually <laughs> breathe this hard i go how are you breathing she goes i was like <gasps> <gasps> like that, like, and you don't usually do that. No, usually I'm not like that. And then she yeah. goes, and then you know what happened? I could feel the buildup coming. I got really scared. I felt the buildup coming. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh my God. <laughs> it was like five fireworks and it just crashed all over and it went all everywhere. And she goes, and then I couldn't stop. I was jerking all over the bed like I had, like I had, like I was having um, <laughs> convulsions. You know, convulsions. And he goes, are you okay? Okay. He goes, yes, yes, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> And she goes, it almost Aww. wouldn't stop. And she goes, I've never had an orgasm like that. And she goes, and it's all the PRP. Oh, there you my go, goodness. everybody. So you know who to go talk to. You need yeah. to go meet Dr. Laura. Do you have a question before I we say goodbye? I do have one. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, okay, remember, we got to wrap it up, you I guys. Know, I know. No, no, but we, yeah. we can talk forever. Oh, I know. You guys it's are like. Yes. Like, we we like to chat. I feel yeah, like I'm not even here, everybody. Okay. Oh, you're very present. Very present. Go ahead. This has to do with, like, do you ever have patients that come in? Like, so now you do all this type of, you know, women's health work and then you do some like the cosmetic type stuff too mm-hmm. have you ever oh, that's had, right the botox and the filler yeah, sorry but have you had a, like a client or a patient come in where you know maybe like they want help in that in that regard but you saw that maybe they weren't maybe their their motivation for it maybe wasn't the healthiest have you ever come across that and and had to turn people down one or or one help get one to a healthy and, and, Place? Yes, I'll tell you what I do with every patient. Mm-hmm. I tell them I actually hold their hands sometimes with, with liposuction. Yeah. I hold their hands and I said, I want you to get quiet with yourself and get into your own head right now. Yeah, because I'm going to ask you a question and I need to know this because I need to know you and what it is you're trying to achieve. I said, right. Why is it you want liposuction? And I swear I'm, I'm writing that book because they'll say, well, because I want to look healthier. Most of them want to look healthier because mm-hmm. I want to lose this and fit into these clothes. But one woman said to me, because my husband says I'm fat. Aww. And I said, okay, is there any other reason that you want liposuction? No, I'm kind of okay with me. I don't think I'm really that fat, but he says I'm fat. I said, let me give you a third chance here, okay? Is there any other reason you want lipo when you think about it? I'm going to suck fat out and I'll remove a couple of those tiny rolls. No, I just, it'll probably make him happy. I said, I'm so sorry. I can't do your lipo. She goes, what? Because 
it's not the right answer because if I do your lipo because you think thinks you're fat, what if he says to you tomorrow, I don't like your breasts, they need to change. Right. Or I don't like your labia, they hang too low. Yes. Or I don't like your butt, it's not big enough. I'd, if it's not one thing, it'll be another. Trust me, mm-hmm. when you can answer correctly, when you can answer that this is for you, Yes. I'll do your lipo. She never came back. So. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Well, you know, we have to um, make sure we do this again. Oh, for yeah, sure. Because I can think of a lot more so questions. Yeah, you have. Well, you, I mean, we could talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Heck yeah. It's, uh, I'm just happy to introduce you to our audience. Thank yes. You. Um, I believe that the work that you do as a physician, mm-hmm. the work around helping people with you know, their sex life and mm-hmm. the wellness so it goes yeah. with, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. We're connected on that. Yeah. It's, yes. a, it's a theme here. It's, it's part, it's part of the deal. It's the reality. And like you said, a lot of times no one's talking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with mental health. We were in the dark for years. Right. Oh, that's that's you know? true. Like, yeah. You know, Agreed. Where Agreed. I grew up, you know, if someone had dementia or something like that, they go, oh yeah, Uncle Johnny's in the back room with the football helmet on. <laughs> and, I, and I say that because, because that you didn't know because it was right. real. It was true. That's, that's just yeah. the way it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, that kid just is that kid, and right. you know, everybody just looks at him and go, "Yeah, he's kind of odd." Yeah. But now everyone's people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I just think that that's great, and we've made available like your social media, oh, your website, you. so yeah, people so will visit you. That's and so nice. We thank definitely you. want to have you back. Okay. Okay, For I sure. definitely want to be back. So yeah. fun. It's so fun to it, I mean to educate and empower. It's what we do. And with every episode of the Stay Healthy Experience, we always remind people mm-hmm. that they can get healthy, they can be healthy, and they can definitely stay, stay healthy. healthy. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Robert Ferguson, and thank you for watching our show. Now, be sure to like, subscribe, and click on the bell so that you are notified whenever we upload new shows. Again, thank you for watching.